Hello. Hey, 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 Lynn. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Yes, I'm excellent, thank you. Sorry that I'm two minutes late. I'm just running a little bit behind this morning. Already, already. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's all and good, though. I've been, I've, go on, sorry. I was going to say, and you've probably been up since five or something as well, haven't you? I was just about to say, I've been up <laughs> since five. <laughs> That's literally what I was just going to say. You know me. I always wake up. I'm like an old man. I'm just an old man. This is what happens. Uh, I'm awake at 5 a.m. every. No alarm. I don't even set the alarm. I just wake up. My body's like, right, this is the time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm a bit similar. I mean, I wake up about six. Um, and then, I, well, I either can't get back to sleep or I don't try hard enough. My husband says I don't try hard enough. But to me, once I'm awake, <laughs> that's it. The day started. I might as well get on and start doing things then. But that's when I start crashing and burning about eight o'clock at night. So um, you can't have it that, both that's ways. That's me as well, you? yeah. Yeah, that's me as well. Yeah, I'm. Yeah. I'm also getting very tired or in bed by eight, nine p.m. as well. That's also me because yeah. you still need the same. You still need the same amount of sleep, don't you? Yeah, I think yep, it's. Absolutely. I think it's funny with what you said there about the trying harder to get back to sleep. That's kind of like some kind of dichotomy, isn't it? How do you try harder to relax? It's like to go back to sleep. That's strange. That's <laughs> like a strange well, back the, and forth situation there. Yeah, and the thing is, once you're awake, me anyway, once I'm awake, my brain starts going and that's it, I start thinking and I can't stop, can't switch off that thinking then and I start thinking about all sorts under the sun, things I need to do, things I should have done, things I did yesterday, what kind of day is it, what's the weather <laughs> going to be like, all the rest of it. So by that time, brain's on over drive so there's no point in trying to turn over and go back to sleep so yeah I'm definitely a morning person so you've got me at a good time of the, of the day anyway today so yeah yeah well you're a busy bee so I don't blame your brain for that one right there um and I, I'm I'm also the same um I just I just mark it down as motivation and I just get up you know when it's 5 a.m I don't even I don't think oh oh it's so oh no woe is me it's too early yeah. I just think well if my body's woken up at this time on its own it must be time and I must be ready so let's get up out and in after it eh yeah absolutely absolutely yes 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 so today what are we going to, to talk about well, today we've come to talk about habit change haven't we habit yes, change yes yes fascinating why did you yeah it's what we do isn't it in the six steps to slim Mm. group it's what we do we are a habit change program we try and change people's food habits so that it becomes a lifelong lasting change Mm. um not not a short-term temporary change so yeah it's a it's a huge topic the program is literally built to create habit change for people can i ask first because this, this topic was your idea why why were you thinking about this or what angles were you thinking about coming at this from um well there's an initial angle and then there's lots of things i've thought about since we decided to have a discussion on this subject um the the initial one was about having breakfast or not having breakfast that was the thing that um started me on thinking about it because um you know i was brought up with the idea that you had to have breakfast you know my mom would never let me go to school without having breakfast yeah. um, you know and I, there was all the adverts on the television you know the ready break adverts i remember <laughs> where you used to the most important meal of the day yeah, send your kids to um, school with ready breath in the tummy and it'd set them up for the day. And, you know, if they didn't have... I mean, and it may well be different for children. I actually don't know that. Uh, but definitely that stuck with me. Plus the fact that 
um, you know, every dieting fad and book and, and article I've read always says, you know, you should start the day off right by having breakfast. And the the age old thing is to breakfast like a king, dine uh, lunch like a prince and dine like a pauper um, has been in my head forever. So your, your biggest meal of the day should always be breakfast, et cetera, et cetera. So those are all things that have gone into my head over the years. And as we've talked about before, things that go into your head and are... Um, uh, you know that you read it over and over again eventually that settles into your head as being the right thing so forever I've always got up in the morning and had breakfast and sometimes you know full English full-on breakfast sometimes you know just something quite small slice of toast or something but I've always thought I need to have breakfast because that's what I have to do and then you know I joined this program and I've been doing absolutely fine and then suddenly the weight was stalling on one hand and also I was finding that I was getting really really hungry at night about eight o'clock at night but I'd sort of pretty much run out of calories by that time so I was ending up getting grumpy or going to bed even earlier because I was hungry mm. and then I'd read somewhere that some people had um some people did fasting I didn't really understand what that meant um looked into that talked about it in the group you did a few things um uh videos I think on on fasting and I was thought, well you know what is this fasting and would I be able to cut out breakfast because I'm never as hungry in the morning as I am at night so could I cut out breakfast and I just cut out breakfast the day after I cut out breakfast. I didn't have to really build myself up to it or think, well, I need to eat loads the night before to make sure that I'll survive by not having breakfast. I just suddenly didn't have any breakfast. And why didn't I have any breakfast? A, because I told myself I wasn't going to have any. And B, because I actually wasn't hungry. And I started to realise then that every single morning when I get up, (laughs) I'm having breakfast because... I always have breakfast when I wake up. So I'd got Mm. into the habit. So coming back to habits, but it was habit based on, I thought, knowledge. It wasn't just habit as in I'd fallen into this bad habit. I thought it was a good habit that I'd got having breakfast. I thought I was being good having breakfast and just making sure that the breakfast was a healthy, low calorie breakfast. Um, And suddenly I've stopped having breakfast. I I wouldn't say I've stopped having it 100% because sometimes I wake up and I am hungry. And sometimes I think, yeah, yeah, I'm going to have it today. But 99% of the time now I don't have breakfast. And usually it gets to around about 11.30 before I start actually thinking, hmm, I think I'm a bit hungry now. And then the rest of the day follows on according to that. And also it's pushed out my other meals as well. So lunch I, I tend to have a little bit later now as well so when it gets to eleven thirty, I tend to have a banana or something like that to sort of keep me going a little bit and then I have lunch later in the day and then evening meal goes a bit later blah 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 and obviously I could talk about this forever I don't want to hog the whole conversation because I think we're both we're both our, our natterers aren't we so I want no to continue please talk, obviously continue please well. but I think I think that got me into the um into the thought process in my head as to, um, you know, I was literally having breakfast out of habit, not out of hunger. And therefore, what other habits was I having as part? Well, obviously, everybody has habits, but I mean, habits that were maybe being detrimental to my fat loss process. And lots of other things came into my mind. And I've scribbled down a few things which we can come on to later. But just talking about the breakfast thing, 
Um, my daughter's also on the um, same programme as uh, as I am on this um, fat loss programme. And because it's half term this week and she's a teacher she's and she's in our, our bubble as far as COVID's concerned, she's moved in with us this week and she has breakfast every morning. So, of course, every morning she's saying, what what are we having for breakfast, mom? And every morning I've been saying, well, I don't know what you're having, but I'm not having anything this morning. And then I've sort of sat there while she's made something, cooked something, prepared something and thinking, oh, it's really hard when somebody else is actually eating something in front of you and you decide that you're not going to have breakfast. So I've had more breakfast this morning, this week than I normally do. But I actually had a conversation with her along the lines of, why do you have breakfast? Just that question, why do you have breakfast? She's like, what, what do you mean, why do I have breakfast? I said, well, why do you have it? Is it because you're hungry or is it because it's a habit? And she sort of came to the conclusion herself, it was because it was a habit. Um, and it was just interesting that she said that. But then she said, but I don't really want to give up because I enjoy having my breakfast. And you see, with mm-hmm. her being a teacher, she can only eat at certain times of the day. She can't eat when she's hungry. She has to she's she has to eat when she has a break, you know, when she has lunchtime. So I think her habit is more ingrained as in she does have breakfast because she knows that later on she if she does get hungry, she can't then reach for something. Um, mm-hmm. so I think hers is slightly different. But of course she's on holiday this week, but is still having breakfast. So it is definitely, um, it's an ingrained habit. Although, of course, there may well be people who breakfast, it's their most starving time of the day, I guess. You're exactly right. I think there's lots of interesting points in there. I thought it was really interesting as well. You said about breakfast like a king. How does it go? Lunch like a... Prince and and dine like a pauper. Yeah, I I googled that. while, while you were just talking there, just to try and find out where that comes from, because I have heard that, but I have no idea who says this or why, because it's not oh. true. <laughs> I mean, no, I mean you, could, no. you could you could eat like that, but I don't know who's saying this like it's true. And I actually couldn't find out online. I saw lots of websites quoting it and saying this is a famous quote, but I actually couldn't find who's saying this or why. Um, no. And and you were you were right. I really liked what you said about the. The breakfast eating came from perceived knowledge because it did used to be banded around continuously that breakfast was the most important meal of the day. There were there was even science showing this, showing like, for example, if you gave kids breakfast um, versus no breakfast, they performed better at school. Those were real scientific studies. Um, and there were studies showing that if you ate breakfast, it boosted your quote-unquote metabolism. And that's real science. Those studies were actually done, so then people just said it. Especially breakfast companies who pay for these adverts, like Ready Break, they, of course, want you to eat breakfast, so they're going to ban this round loads. And they, yeah. they, banded, they banded it round so much through very effective marketing that it actually became a societal norm for people to think that they've got to eat processed carbohydrates from a box or bag before flipping 8 a.m. or something even bad will happen to them. (laughs) People got got that into it eventually. But it turned out eventually in nutritional science, as you now know, of course, which is why what we talk about in fasting and why I I don't make people fast or I don't even really encourage people to fast on the program. I just give it them as one of their options that they could try if they wanted to because it is a successful and efficacious diet. Like there's, there's lots of different varieties of fasting, but there's one called intermittent fasting, which is basically what you're describing. You could also just call it the skipping breakfast diet, which just, yes. keep, yeah. Yeah, you, yeah, you just keep it nice and basic. You just go from three, you used to eat three meals, 
Now you eat two. Probs, regardless of other things, if nothing else changes, that's less calories. So then you lose weight, don't you? Um, And it came out in nutritional science later. Those studies weren't necessarily incorrect, but they weren't showing the full picture. Like the one where if you gave children breakfast versus no breakfast at school, they did better. Then more studies were done later that showed if you gave children, children that naturally don't eat breakfast, if you give them breakfast, they don't do better. What it was showing in the study before is that if somebody always eats breakfast and then suddenly they don't, and then you test them, they will perform worse because their body was kind of, quote unquote, expecting food and nutrition at that point. And as we know, any nutritional changes or any changes to the body or mind really can be a little bit tough at first and it takes time to settle in sometimes, doesn't it? But if you give someone who doesn't eat breakfast a breakfast, they don't suddenly get super brain powers. (laughs) That's not real. Um, And with with the breakfast boosts your metabolism thing. True. That's a true point, but it's missing the forest for the trees because what that means is if you give somebody like let's say a 400 calorie breakfast and then you test their calorie maintenance or their metabolism it's gone up a little bit and that's because of the thermic effect of food so when you eat some food the thermic effect of food on average is 10 percent. so when you eat some calories and food you you burn off roughly 10% of those calories that you consumed through just the digestion process because your guts have to move, you have to create enzymes, you have to, I don't know, change this nutritional thing into this other thing, you break down this into that thing. And this all costs little bits of energy. So roughly the thermic effect of food is 10%, um, which means if you give someone a 400 calorie breakfast and then measure their metabolism, it will have gone up by about 40, depending on what they ate, depending on mm. what they ate. But for fat loss, this makes no flipping difference because that's still plus 360 calories, isn't it? More than, yeah. you would have ate, more than you would have eaten otherwise. So is it true that if you eat any meal, not just breakfast, your metabolism increases slightly? Yes, because metabolism means the breaking down process. So if you eat food, do your breaking down processes in your body increase? Of course they do. It's called digestion. Otherwise, the food would just sit there. So your body ramps up a little bit to digest the food, but it doesn't ramp up more than all the calories you just flip in it. So you can you can eat 400 calories and get a 40-calorie metabolism boost, but then you're still 360 calories behind what you would have been if you didn't eat any flipping calories, wouldn't you? So for fat loss, um, it doesn't work out overall. So you can see why this is confusing can't you in the past but it's, when in, it's interesting all the things that you've said about school children though because as i mentioned before you know my daughter's a teacher and they in schools you know still have breakfast clubs don't they and i don't know i don't know if that is because they perceive that children with a breakfast inside them do perform better or whether they just give them a breakfast because maybe that makes sure that the kids have at least some food during the day as opposed to none. Or, I, I, just, I just wonder what the, the thinking is behind breakfast clubs at school then. Well, I don't know. I, I obviously think you'd mm. have to ask the teachers, but I have a, a mm. few little things sprung to my mind immediately uh, because I used to go to breakfast club when I was a kid. Um, one of the reasons kids used to go to breakfast club is if their parents had to go to work real early. You can yes. use it. You can use it as like a half an hour to one hour little extra time. Yeah, where someone's yes. looking, yeah. where someone's looking after the kids. Um, Low income families as well also yes. go to breakfast club, don't they? Like some some people rely on school meals and stuff like that to yes. feed their kids. Yes. So it's a, it's another little extra service. Like I remember mm. at my my obviously this was fucking decades ago, but when yeah. I was at my when I was at my primary school. Um, 
some families paid for the breakfast club if they wanted their kids to go. And if you were under a certain, like if your household made under a certain amount of money, then it was free breakfast club for yeah, your kids. Yeah. So yeah, so so maybe it's just providing a service in that way as well. So, some kids do and some people do like breakfast, don't they? Kids run around a lot. So it's more important. And they don't have fat loss goals necessarily. So yeah. it, it might, yeah, so it might be important for them a bit more to get in some food than let's say a lady yeah. who's got, who's not exercising too much or it's locked down. So you're not getting out very far or you've got a non-active sit down job and you've got weight loss goals. Yeah. 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 This, this person, it's not necessarily as important for them to eat breakfast, but if you were an athlete going out on a big training session, or if you were a manual laborer going on a building site, or maybe yes. if you were a kid. Maybe if yeah. you're a kid, yeah, trying to get through a day at school and run around at playtime and do some PE as well. Maybe you could have a slice of toast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so there's, there's, there's possibly some, as you say, either some science behind it or there was some science behind all of this. But it's definitely, I, I would imagine that if you interviewed, you know, 100 people and said, mm. is breakfast necessary? Or do you think that, you know, that should you have breakfast? I bet you a big percentage of people would say, oh, yeah, yeah, you must always have breakfast. Especially maybe people of a certain age, like like myself, where you were brought up really with the adverts on telly that were really saying, you know, before you send your kids to school, you must give them breakfast. So I bet that that is a... A, a, a sort of a well-known myth <laughs> not a well-known yeah. fact so whatever words you'd use on it you're exactly right when i googled the breakfast like a king thing um evening yeah. meal like a pauper whatever it was yeah. lots of things came up nutrition articles and um news websites as well agreeing that this was a good thing they were quoting yeah. it because they were saying this is a pattern you can follow and to be fair it's not wrong it is a pattern no. that you could follow no. you could have all you could have your biggest calorie meal at breakfast and then have smaller at lunch and then have smaller again in the evening if that helps you balance your calories in a way that keeps uh, in a way that keeps your weight where you want it to be good yeah. for me yeah. f- for you for you you're doing very small, if not nothing, breakfast, light lunch, heavier evening meal. So the yeah. literally the opposite backwards way around, also yeah. perfectly fine. I do yeah. a middling ground. So I eat a lot of calories at breakfast, then basically none in the middle of the day, sometimes no lunch or just a small lunch, maybe a small sandwich that I make myself, maybe a banana and a protein shake, something like this, sometimes nothing. And then another big amount of calories in the evening because I don't like going to bed hungry. I don't sleep well if I'm hungry. I'll wake up at four in the morning starving rather than five. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I usually like to exercise in the morning as well. And I don't necessarily want to eat something before that. So I like yeah. to have a big eat. So, so for me, I eat a big breakfast because I wake up and then I exercise. So I've just eaten breakfast before this um, conversation and I had porridge, but my porridge was 800 calories. <laughs> Wow. wow. <laughs> I know and that's that sounds ridiculous and offensive to some people, doesn't it? Like most people, even in our six steps to slim program, if they think porridge, they think one of those little sachets and they put yeah. it in a mug. <laughs> a <bit of> water, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, with water, like it's gruel. Yeah. Please, sir, can I have some more? Yeah. <laughs> isn't yeah. it? I'm on eight hundred calorie porridge, but I know that's because I've already exercised this morning, so I've probably burned yeah. two. I've probably burned two hundred and fifty of those calories off before I even eat it in the first place. And then I know I'm not going to eat much lunch because I just work all day. Literally, I've just I just have meetings just back to back. I don't yeah. stop. I don't really think about food. Maybe if I'm starving, like I said, between two meetings, I'll eat a banana and get a coffee or something. And then I, I know it's going to have to push me through to my evening meal, so I'm going to get to a, the evening on eight hundred to a thousand calories, which is fine. That leaves me like another thousand calories. 
to get yeah. to a 2000 calorie day, which is a nice level of food for a lot of people. Like yeah. I even made, yeah, I even made a Facebook post um, on the Slum Society Facebook page uh, maybe a couple of weeks ago now saying that a lot of people, when they diet, they take their calories lower than they have to. Like people join our program sometimes and they, they weigh 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 20 plus stone literally and yeah. if they if if a lady who does no activity eats 2000 calories per day that makes you 13 stone so someone who's 18 stone they only have to drop their calories down to 2000 which is not low at all really yeah you can, you can yeah you can eat you can do what i do you can eat 1000 calories for breakfast also known as anything that you want in the world and then you can eat 1000 calories for your evening meal also known as anything you want basically in the world isn't it? Yep. And then, yep. then 2,000 calories, yet yeah, your weight will drop all the way down to 13 stone, and then all right. If you want to go to 11 stone, then we'll worry about taking your calories lower when we have to. So sometimes it's yeah, it's not so bad. So it's just different things for different people, isn't it? It's about I, finding... I think it is, and I, and I think, you know, we're, we're sort of honing in on breakfast because obviously that's where I started this conversation. Um, but I think there's this two completely separate things, really, in this conversation – one is about habit and the fact that I was having breakfast out of habit. And you could talk about that for anything, not just related to breakfast. You, know, you could talk about that for lunch, evening meal, a bar of chocolate, whatever. Um, is yep. habit, you know, could be habits. But also the sort of scientific fact slash myth as to whether you actually have to have breakfast as, um, as something first thing in the morning. And I think it's two separate conversations, but, you know, we've joined them together, haven't we, really? both important yeah um yeah, absolutely. It, it's a scientific myth that you you have to eat anything or do anything at all really to yeah. be healthy that yeah there's yeah. not there's no specific foods you have to eat you don't have to eat at any specific time you don't have to eat anything in any specific order you you have to manage there's, there's a few universal principles like you have to manage your calorie intake overall correctly otherwise your body weight won't be in a preferable range for you whatever that might be and i don't know protein intakes good for people <laughs> you know you doing yeah. a step count it'd be good so something like this uh, there's some universal principles that are good for all people but how you get your protein intake that's up to you how you yeah. manage your calorie intake that's about it's a journey about finding what works for you like as you know obviously our program's called six steps to slim and each one is a habit change core area of its own that is a journey in and of itself literally yeah. um and it, it does come up a little bit in our program, not hugely, but it's in the snacking and psychology section about meal frequency and meal timings because it, all, because it also plays into a psychological thing, exactly like we're talking about now. And sometimes we do work with people, don't we, in the group, setting goals to move their meal timings around, maybe spend more calories. Some people literally, I was talking to a lady in the group two days ago, and I, I, I encouraged her to spend more calories at breakfast because she was yes. saying, right. Yeah, she was saying, right, I'm waking up in the morning. She's having one of these small porridge pots or a banana and a coffee like you. Then she's working all day. And she says she's just landed a new job and she's trying to impress. So she's absolutely going. She's working from home, uh, but she's going savage on the work. She's doing as much as she physically can. Then she's getting to like one, two in the afternoon. She's dying, starving, hungry. Then she's just grabbing a few biscuits and then by the time, yeah, because she's just like runs into the kitchen. What can she, what can I find? Oh my God. All right, quick this. And then back, straight back to work. And then she's blasting it again until like 6 or 7 p.m. And then she's starving because she's eating a banana and three biscuits and it's been flipping all day. Yeah. Running, running a mind hard as well, focusing at work all day, even though it's not physical activity, it's still mental activity, which is draining. 
So then I was talking exactly about what we're talking about now with this lady. And I wasn't saying, hey, you should do this or, hey, yeah. you must do this. I was just saying, well, one, one of our options could be you could have a bigger breakfast like I do because she's in the same situation yeah. I am. I just, I just smash it on work all day until the end. I try and get it all done as fast as I can without many breaks. So I, I told her I eat a big breakfast. I said to her, you're having porridge in one of those little pots for 150 calories. I'm having 700 to 800 calories. In yes. my porridge, so that's pushing me through your your little porridge. I know you're trying to do the right thing by keeping the calories low in the morning, but that's then inadvertently throwing her off later, isn't it? So sometimes yeah. you spend a bit spend a bit more now to save a bit more later. So it's exactly like yeah. you said; it's it's a journey for each person to find what works for them. Yeah, Ab- absolutely. And you know, it, uh, that, while you're talking, then it just made me think of something else um, as to you know lunches, for example. Um, I remember when I was at work and, you know, I, I never really took a lunchtime. I used to work all the way through, but that didn't mean I wasn't hungry around about lunchtime. So I used to nip to the canteen and I always, always used to grab a sandwich, a bag of crisps and a bar of chocolate. Yeah. And why did I pick up a sandwich, a bag of crisps and a bar of chocolate? That's because that's what I always did. I always mm. did that. So I used to literally go to the same aisle, the same stand, the same everything to pick up, you know, a packaged sandwich. Um, not necessarily the same sandwich. I'm not totally boring, but, you know, I'd look and think, do I want a prawn sandwich today or a cheese sandwich or whatever? But pick up a sandwich, walk along, pick up a bag of crisps, walk along, pick up a chocolate bar. Sometimes it'd be a Twix, sometimes it'd be something else, whatever. Walk away, get that, go back to my desk, carry on working and eat it. But I ate, I chose that and ate that. Not because I fancied a sandwich, a bag of crisps and a chocolate bar, but because that's what I always had. Or also not because I was hungry enough to eat all three of those, but because that is what I always had. And it reminds me as well that my husband usually has a sandwich at lunchtime and he always, always gets a sandwich, goes to the cupboard, gets a bag of crisps and walks away with it. And I'm just thinking about it now as to, that's habit you know we're coming back to talk about habits again not so much having the sandwich but having the bag of crisps with the sandwich is a habit rather than that you fancy that or you're hungry or you're craving crisp it's that that's what you have because most people would have sandwich in a bag of crisps or a sandwich in a chocolate bar or or you know a sandwich in a banana or whatever but we very rarely have the sandwich and then sit and think do we do I, you know, do I still fancy something? If so, what do I fancy? Am I still hungry? If so, what could I have to fill that hunger? It's it's the habit, isn't it? The habit of just going and having the items that what that you always have at that time of day. Yeah, and sometimes it's the ease, sometimes it's the convenience, sometimes it's the pleasure as well, but I understand exactly what you mean. Like I said to you earlier, sometimes I eat a sandwich for lunch, and then people will say to me sometimes in conversations, but sometimes people are surprised that a nutritionist would even eat a sandwich for a start. (laughs) Some people are literally, they think, they expect that I think that bread's the devil or some kind of ridiculous notion, or that I would never eat anything normal like a sandwich. And then when when they, they always say to me, what do you have with the sandwich? And I say nothing. And then people are mm. like, what, what? <laughs> like, like they don't, they don't understand that that can be a thing because it always goes in a meal deal, even at Tesco, even yes, at, even yes, at Boots. Well. 
the and they're supposed to be healthy. Is it all, isn't it? <laughs> it does. Yeah. It's built in. It's yeah. built in literally. They're like, what? You don't have anything with the sandwich? I'm like, no. I don't know. If if anything, if I was if I was thinking, okay, that sandwich is not going to be enough. I'm going to. I'm wanting to spend another hundred, two hundred calories because I'm still hungry. I'll make a bigger sandwich. I'm not even kidding. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'll put I'll put more chicken into the chicken sandwich, and I'll bump up my protein intake, stay fuller for longer, and it'll be a, a big, huge, awesome sandwich, and then I'll really enjoy it. Um, and this is this is another again a way that we work with people in the program. Is I was talking to a different lady in the program the other day she's a nurse at the hospital she's super busy this this lady is ridiculously busy she's got children she's got horses she's a nurse at the hospital she's also volunteering her time to covid jab people extra on top of the normal work she's also trying to fit in her exercise i'm like oh my god just barely barely anybody could have more on than this so she's saying to me right i've not really got time look to flip in prepare something at home to take it into work because I'm getting the kids ready in for work uh, for their school and stuff like that in the morning. Then I've got to nip off to work and then I'm working all day. So I've got to really get something at the hospital. So she always goes to the hospital cafe and she gets pretty similar to you. I think yeah. she said she, I think she said she was getting something like a cheese sandwich, a bag of crisps or a chocolate bar and a fizzy pop. Something yeah. like that. So yeah. then what, what I try and do with people as a habit change is look for some easy, small wins that will make a big difference. Like yeah. I could say to her, I could say to her, well, you should be getting up earlier. You should be getting your kids ready yeah. faster. You should be making uh, something for lunch at home and taking it in. You should be this. You should be that. Instead of that, I think, okay, hmm, I wonder what little, what's the smallest change we can make to this lady's life and habits that's going to have the biggest impact. Yeah, so absolutely. I said to her, yeah, so I said to her, all right, what if, because another thing she said was she's also getting headache a lot and she was asking me if this is to do with the food changes and I'm like mm, probably not you know headaches usually either dehydration or unless you've changed your caffeine intake so I said to her as well as a duel I said all right what if we go to the same cafe you it's going to cost roughly the same you can you, cheese sandwich nothing wrong with that you can get a cheese sandwich if you want but then why don't we get water and an apple or something rather than fizzy pop and a chocolate bar or something like that. So let's get cheese sandwich, banana, and water rather than cheese sandwich, chocolate bar, fizzy pop, something like yeah. that. I said, do you, what, what, what do you think to that? And she said, yeah, I could probably do that. And then she said, yeah, my hydration would probably be better and that will knock the calories down a little bit. And I said, exactly. And all she, she has to go to the same shop. It's not taking her more time. It's not taking her more time to eat it. It's not costing her any different. It's Nothing changes really. She just has to put her hand slightly to the left when she's about to yeah. buy the fizzy pop that's full of the sugar. Just go straight. Just move your hand like 20 centimeters to the left and just grab even even one of those sugar-free Volvic waters or something there. Nice yeah. anyway as it is. Strawberry flavor. It's not even bad. Get one of those down here. You'll feel better because she's probably dehydrated running around all day at the hospital and wearing a mask, etc. Her calories are down a little bit. She's got some fruit in her, which is going to give her more vitamins and minerals. It's going to keep her fuller for longer than a chocolate bar is. And it's probably about, I don't know, 1.5 times less calories than a chocolate bar would be. So it's, it's cutting the calories in half maybe. So it's just a little small change to her yeah. life, yeah. but a big difference to her nutrition quality, to her calories, to her hydration, isn't it? So this is, that's one of the things we always try and do with the habit change, work with people's lives and do little small changes that make big, big impacts. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. And, and you know, what you've just suggested there is 
it, it, a lot of things don't change, do they? She can still go to the canteen. I That's mean, the point. You need to sort of step outside and go to find a Tesco somewhere and buy this special Tesco value, blah, blah, blah. You're saying to it, you can still go to the canteen. You can still go at the same time of day. You can still buy similar amounts as far as money is concerned. You can still buy three items as you were buying three items before. This is what I'm you saying, can yeah. You still eat them in the same way. You can still enjoy them in the... You know, you're not... As far as habit and as far as um, food quality, quantity, all the rest of it, you, you, it's very similar, but hugely better, hugely uh, better for, you, for your health and your, and your calorie intake and, as you say, ultimately your weight loss. But yet you've not actually changed anything, not very much anyway, as far as you obviously have changed things, but not very much as far as um, having to make any really, really conscious efforts to go somewhere different, do something different. All you're doing is eating slightly different food. Yeah, and this is why we have success on the program, isn't it? Because Absolutely. people people have consultation with me and they say, every single person, I book a phone call with them or a video call, depending on what they prefer, if they want to join the program, just so I can answer their questions, just so I can talk to them a little bit about their goals, etc. And basically everybody says something along the lines of, what are we going to do or what is it going to be like? And I say, well, step one, is we'll assess your diet and lifestyle and what's going on with it right now, whatever that may be. Like this lady, we assess busy, flipping 900 things going on at once, not yeah. much time, but she's still got weight loss goals. Da, da, da. We assess all these things and then we start to just look for these little positive changes. Like you said, that's the entire point. It's not changed many things at all, but at the other side of it, it's also changed a lot. It's also it's made the food a lot better with the with the lifestyle change being very, very minimal. So that's a big win for a small change. And this is yeah. why when people's weight's coming down on our program, they often say, Oh, this is quite easy. And it's because yeah. we're it's because we're blending it to fit into their lifestyle rather than changing their lifestyle to fit a diet, which is basically yeah what every other program does doesn't it basically every other program gives you a meal plan or a rule book or i don't know the personal trainer or the nutritionist says right you currently do this and you eat all this yeah. firstly that's cancelled <laughs> secondly yeah. you now need to start doing this 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 and this and it's yep. just it, a lot of the time for a lot of people, it's just too big of a change. Like suddenly you try and you try and go on the atkins diet so what you just try and suddenly become dr atkins do you yeah. unlikely to work isn't it unlikely to work or you go to i don't know some skinny watchers or weight world style program and they give you a rule yeah. book and they say right we know that you usually eat like this and you enjoy these foods and your family likes this kind of stuff but now that's done now it's yeah. over now yeah. yeah now you're with us and now you need to do what everybody else is doing and be the same as everybody else which is impossible because you're a fucking have unique have person you Having said that, though, Connor, I will I will raise one other thing that's just come to my mind again. That one other thing that I did learn from another weight loss program that has stuck with me forever, and that my habit in the in relation to this has completely changed over the years. Not because of the program that I'm on now, um, you know, the Six Steps to Slim, but because of another program that I was on, and it always makes me smile when I go to other people's houses and you and I have had a conversation about this I think on a podcast as well about Sunday lunches and okay. I was just thinking then that you know I love eating a Sunday lunch it's my favorite meal ever mm. if I was going to a restaurant and there, there was you know a whole choice of things but Sunday lunch was on there I would always go for a Sunday lunch I love it and I Yorkshire through it. and through yeah and I also, <laughs> I also love 
cooking a Sunday lunch. And, you know, Ooh. if I, I, I more than not do cook a Sunday lunch on a, on a Sunday, you know, not necessarily has to be on a Sunday, but usually is. And I pretty much cook a Sunday lunch without any fat whatsoever, without any lard, oil, anything. And use the, you know, good old spray fry like kind of things. <laughs> and that took a huge habit change, lifestyle change, whatever words you want to use, took a huge change um, in me when um, I started on a different program because I always used to put the meat in the oven, whether whatever it was, pork, lamb, whatever, and put a great big blob of lard on top of it. Some yeah. people would give a big glug of olive oil or, or dripping or goose fat or whatever you want to do. Chuck that in there. And then, you know, you put your roast potatoes in that same fat and spoon the fat over the roast potatoes. And same with the parsnips. And you were talking before about carrots and things with honey on and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Beautiful. And, you know, once again, as we've talked about on this program, when people will ask a question as to, can you give me some idea of how many calories there are in a Sunday lunch? Well, you know, let's start at 500 and go up to 2,000. Or, or, <laughs> You're exactly let, right. You know, let's just see what how you've actually cooked it. When you look on the plate, you might have got your carrots and your meat and your stuffing and your Yorkshire pudding and what have you. But how did you actually cook it? And I think, you know, as I said, on a previous program that I was on, they sort of started down this fry light route. And obviously, you don't have to buy that brand. You can buy any brand that you want. Mm -hmm. I think you were talking the other day about a Tesco one or something that you've got, Connor. But either way, the ones where you spray a few sprays and it's a one calorie per spray. Um, and, you know, for years and years and years, I have cooked my Sunday lunches with no fat whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And, you know, whether it's chicken or pork or whatever, do that. I put my potatoes and my parsnips and sweet potatoes on a tray that I sprayed with the fry light and then I sprayed them mm -hmm. on top. And I am telling you, my Sunday lunches are to die for. There's nothing in there where you think, oh, I know, but they're just not quite the same, are they? They are bloody lovely. They are <laughs> lovely. And, you know, they, they are really nice. So once again, as you were saying about this lady, that you can still go and buy the sandwich and blah, blah, blah. Can I still have a Sunday lunch on Six Steps to Slim? Absolutely. Is it lower calorie than somebody else's Sunday lunch? Absolutely. But that, you know, I've not so much learned that on this program. I learned that on a, on a previous program. But the fact still remains that my Sunday lunches don't taste rubbish because I'm not using fat. But yet, I'm now not in the habit of using fat. But if I, in previous times, before the whole blooming lockdown thing, you know, would go to a friend's house and be there while they were cooking the Sunday lunch, I was horrified by the amount of fat <laughs> that was actually used in the creation of that Sunday lunch. And then sitting and eating it and thinking, does it taste a lot better? Well, for me, no, because actually now a lot of fat does make me feel really quite sick. And if I see something swimming in fat, I, I, it really turns my stomach over. And that's, I don't know why that is. I don't know if my body's just not used to that anymore. And as I said, this is years and years and years. Anybody cooking anything in fat now makes me actually feel physically sick. But when I've seen them put, you know, goose fat or massive things of dripping or lard and that in the pan before they put the joint or the roast potatoes, I thought, why? Why are you doing that? But, you know, and I've sort of gently said, oh, you know, do you really need that amount of fat? And the answer that comes back is, well, that's what I've always done. That's what that's what you do. That's, <laughs> that's how that's how you cook a Sunday lunch. And of course, you don't have to cook a Sunday lunch like that. 
and the same applies to lots of other meals etc etc but when you look at the plate afterwards and you see that sunday lunch or that lasagna or that fish and chips or whatever there's there's very little difference to the eye as to what you've actually got on your plate but how it's being cooked can make a massive massive difference as far as the calories are concerned you are exactly right i love everything you've just said just there um whichever fat loss program you're talking about previously was onto a very good thing because that's a that's a very good point that's our sixth steps to step to slim isn't it the sixth one is liquids and hydration it's about managing the calories that come into your diet through liquids no, we also count fats in there as well. So like lard, because it kind of turns into a liquid, that kind of stuff, doesn't it? And butters yeah. and spreads and putting oil into pans, etc. Because you are exactly right. A Sunday lunch can be anywhere from four, 500 calories on like on just like a, a dry roasted style one or like a what I showed in the group the other day, you're quite right, was a, a two calorie rapeseed oil spray from Tesco. Yeah. So it, yeah. it's not a... It's not a fry light style thing because fry light's not really oil. It's like a tiny bit of oil and a tiny bit of like emulsifier. It's a different thing. Uh, yeah. This is just a pure oil, but it's a measured oil spray. So every time you press it once, it just does two calories. So sometimes if I'm making chips, I'll just use 10 or 15 sprays of that across the top of the chips. And it just kind of puts like a little crisp on the edge. Yeah. Um, but if you just throw in oil around, like you said, if you're cooking things in... Um, lards and fats and i remember the exact thing we were talking about on a podcast about what you said about how one of my family members used to make a sunday dinner and she was like yeah this is healthy and i was watching her make it thinking i didn't say i didn't say nothing for a while but she was trying to lose weight until eventually i had to say something i had to say look i know i know this sunday dinner is the goddamn best tasting thing ever but she was literally adding calories into every single thing. Like the fat would be then taken from the meat and used to make the roast potatoes. And yeah, yeah, there would be golden syrup or honey on the parsnips. There would be orange. Double double cream in the mashed potatoes. Definitely. There was cheese on the broccoli and on the cauliflower. (laughs) Every single thing's got like an additional, there was the peas and sweet corn were boiled in water that she poured sugar into. So every, every single thing had been like hyped up or like vamped up in a way. And it looks healthy when it's on the plate, but you can literally double or triple the calories, can't you? If you're not, if you're not careful in those areas. And I will also say that it's a skill. It is a skill. It's a skill to be able to cook food that tastes good and has good texture without just throwing sugars and sauces and oils everywhere. Because I'm a bit like you these days. After a while of not eating greasy food, you are exactly right. Your stomach becomes less used to coping with greasy food. And now if I eat like a big portion of fish and chips, I'll have terrible stomach ache because it's yeah. just it's yeah. way too much grease for me. Yeah. Um, these the, days. The, the Sunday lunch thing applies exactly to the what I was talking about before, you know, the fry up in inverted commas, the, the full English mm, cooked breakfast. Yeah. Whatever word you want to use. Could be 500, could be flipping 5,000 calories. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, if ever we um, go anywhere or we've, you know, been staying in hotels or anything and they put a cooked breakfast in front of you and there's any kind of fat on that plate, it literally makes me want to be sick. Um, And I just think, why? Why did you have to cook everything in fat? When you can, I mean, I know that the whole egg, fried egg, poached egg type thing, people really do quite like, you know, eggs cooked in fat or what have you. But I can quite easily now do fried eggs without any kind of fat at all and grilled bacon. And, you know, I know sausages can be, once again, from 
virtually no calories up to a huge amount of calories depending on what uh, what they've got packed into them but you know sausage or egg or mushrooms or bacon and eggs and tomatoes beans whatever you can have a full plate a full english breakfast for not a huge amount of calories and then and it'll have good protein and variety too if you cook it careful like you're saying and color and taste and all of that on your plate can look absolutely bloody gorgeous and taste gorgeous but you can have exactly the same looking plate with exactly the same quantity on and it'd be massive in calories because of the fat that you've added and the fat that you've not cut off in in the the way of, you know, bacon rind or bacon fat or that kind of thing. Um, and, you know, whether I am massively focused or not so focused on dieting, I would always, always cook without fat and cut off all visible fat purely because, as you say, it would really upset my stomach if I had anything like chicken skin or or, um, or mm. bacon rind or things like that. I just have to cut that off. But it's just interesting. I'm thinking now, you know, I hadn't sort of planned to say these things on, on this podcast, but, you know, one thought sort of sparks off another, doesn't it? That just thinking about the different foods that you can, you know, when we've looked sometimes on our programme at two plates and, you know, uh, you've had a slice of toast with something on it and somebody's, you know, estimated calories and that kind of thing. And sometimes you can misinterpret the number of calories by not weighing or measuring properly. What I'm talking about here is when something looks exactly the same on a plate, you know, your full English or your Sunday lunch, it looks the same because the quantity is the same. The number of items is the same. The plate size is the same. But actually the way that you've cooked it, Due to coming back to our, you know, our underlying um, subject today of habit, that because of the habit of chucking fat into the pan or adding fat and then not cutting off any visible fat, you can hugely impact the number of calories on that on that same plate of food. You are exactly right. So if if it's okay with you for the listeners at home. I'd just like to explain something about habit change um, about our program, because what you're describing there is another, like I um, spoke about the lady that I I spoke with on the program about the small habit change at work, switching the cheese sandwich and the chocolate and the pop to cheese sandwich, Mm -hmm. fruit and water or something like that. That's a small habit change for for a big food quality and health change. This is exactly another one that you're describing, a small change you can make is the way that you cook things. So you can eat the flipping same amount of food and you can eat the same foods and you can halve the calories by just cooking it slightly different. So that's the sixth step to slim, isn't it? Watch for the ways that you're cooking things and watch for the ways that you're adding things in. This is a, this is an easy win area for people. Also switching, also falling into that core habit is switching from like Pepsi to diet Pepsi and Robert Robinson's sugar dilute to, I don't know, similar sugar-free dilute or, so, you know, something along those lines. Some Just full look, fat milk to half fat milk or something yeah, like that. that. Yeah, that could be one. Maybe sugar in your coffee or tea, switching that to sweetener. That yeah. could be one, you know, you know, just different, just different sort of little changes where you're not actually changing much. You're drinking or eating the same thing. It tastes 95% or more the same, but the calories yeah. are halved or even sometimes less. Yeah. And, what I, what I just wanted to say was the other five steps to slim, the other five areas of, of habit change for successful weight loss and weight management over time are the first one is calorie management overall. 
again, as you all know and understand, and what we do with people on the program is the easiest way to bring your calories down, which is what every diet does to bring your body weight down, is just to check the amount of calories you're eating and then just bring them down a little bit, isn't it? Rather than faffing around with meal plans or low carbs or cutting this out or, I don't know, crazy supplements or starvation diets or very low. No, no, any of this. Just see what you're eating now. See that that's a few too many calories and then start making these easy little habit swaps and changes that we're we're talking about. So managing the calories is a overall, your calorie intake in your diet is a very easy habit change to start to make for the amount of results that it actually brings you. The second uh, step to slim is movement, isn't it? Bumping up your step count, going for a walk, maybe putting on a little home exercise video, this kind of stuff, just doing a little bit of movement. I'm stood up um, pacing my office when I'm talking to you now. (laughs) So I'll have probably done, done, I don't know, some steps by the end of this conversation. But bumping up your movement habits can be an easy habit change for some people to get a big impact. There's healthy eating, there's increasing your food quality. This is a good easy habit because one of the things about food habits is habits that add things in are easier usually than habits that take things out. So, yeah, and people like them more because habits that if I tell you that I want you next week to cut this thing out, you feel restricted and deprived. If I tell you next week I want you to add this thing in, you feel, ooh, all right, this is more of some stuff. It's not even Mm -hmm. if naturally. Yeah, even if naturally it pushes other things out. This is one of the advantages of, for example, eating a high protein intake. If you're managing calories and you bump up the protein, I don't really have to tell people to take down their carbs or increase their food quality ever because if you put more protein in, it does those things on its own. So people yeah. don't feel yeah, people don't feel deprived like they're cutting things out because they're putting things in, which is just naturally pushing other things out. So as mm-hmm. people start to eat more healthier foods and try and add these in, I don't even have to tell them to cut down the snacks most often or to cut down the extra bits of this or that because they just they stop getting as hungry and they start to feel better and they've got better energy levels and the food's slower digestion so it pushes them through for longer so they don't feel as snacky or picky even in the evenings etc so anyway putting healthy foods in is one snacking and psychology is the fourth step to slim isn't it so working on your snacking habits working on your psychology working on your mindset working on your education working on your stress management Mm. also we have binge eating stress eating emotional eating social eating boredom eating Flipping all the reasons for eating except that aren't pure hunger or direct nutritional requirement of the body. Mm. These are good places to make changes in. The fifth step to slums protein intake, isn't it? Again, people eating more protein. This is a an easy thing for not for everybody to do. So we don't make, as you know, everybody do every single step. You can pick your own steps and what you want to work on in the six steps to slim. Most people just do one, two, or three different steps and they work on them. Some people like to choose protein. Again, it's an adding goal rather than a subtracting goal, which makes it nicer. You try and put protein in rather than take other things out. So it feels a bit more fulfilling and then people stay fuller for longer. They have better energy levels. They're not as hungry. They It boosts your metabolism. So you get faster weight loss results. So your, your feelings of energy and well-being and strength go up and stuff like this. So that's always good. And then it's back down to the last one again, which is liquids and hydration, isn't it? So looking for these, like you said, swaps of different oils or ways of cooking things or liquid swaps, like we mentioned before. These are the six steps to slim and those are not my opinion. Well, it's I called it the six steps to slim because it sounds cute and I like alliteration, but those are actually the six areas of effectiveness that people can and should be putting their effort in to not have to put 
crazy working for a small reward because we're also big on efficiency on the program aren't we this is what we're talking about as well with the habits we want small changes for big results not big yeah. changes for small results that's demotivating mm. for people and hard mm. work yeah yeah i was um yeah I, I i don't know whether this ties in with what you're just saying but once again it's just just made me think about something um and it, it's about it along the lines of liquid which is a bit weird really but in relation to alcohol which is obviously yeah. a liquid that's um, one that i missed out yep that is in the sixth step to slim about yeah. alcohol management yeah i completely forgot yeah. about that one so i was just uh, thinking that um you know uh, my friend jill is on the program and yes. um, uh, we you know we've had various different conversations uh, about her and with her and um last time we spoke to her you and i did um uh, um, a Zoom and Facebook Live with Jill, and she was talking about her habit um, slash reliance. I'll call it reliance because she thought it was a she was reliant on doing this of having a glass of wine every night, mm. and that she sort of um, saved calories, saved up calories during the day, and had less things during the day to enable herself to have a glass of wine every night. And she said, she, didn't she, that she wrote down 300 calories in, she'd write it down in her food diary in the morning, way before drinking the wine. Yes. She already, she already marked off the 300. It's happening. It ain't even yep. a question. It doesn't matter no. what happens today. This thing, Ex it's going down. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Which I found quite fascinating because I've never done that. I know a lot of people do write down ahead of time what they are going to eat or drink that day. I've never actually done that. I literally... Uh, record mine on on my fitness pal i know that jill actually hand writes hers down i know that she prefers to see it in you know black and white on a piece of paper but yeah. either way i you know eat something and then go and write it into my fitness pal then work out how many i've got left and what have you um jill i know pretty much writes hers down you know in the morning because she's already planned what she's going to have and as you say, first thing in the morning, she knows she's going to have that glass of wine at night, knows that she's weighed and measured it in the past and it's 300 calories. So knows that that's what she's going to have. But she spoke to us last week when we did our, um, our Zoom uh, chat and said that she's going to challenge herself in conjunction with her partner challenging her and, and his, himself to not have any wine for Monday, mm -hmm. Tuesday, Wednesday this week. Um, and we were talking about, is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? Are you going to want six glasses of wine to make up for the three that you didn't have? And, <laughs> and all happen. the rest of it. Sorry, yeah. No, I was agreeing with you. I was saying that's a good point and it could happen. I was just laughing. Please continue. Yeah, and, and, and you know, that, that's the conversation that, that we had and that's the, the thought processes that you go through. You know, by not having three glasses, does that make you want more on the fourth day? Or mm -hmm. when you've not had three, will you realise you don't want any on the fourth day? Or how will it actually work? But and, and anyway, she decided that she was going to do that. And I was thinking, I'm not really sure about this because that is what Jill's, I'll call it a weakness. It's not a weakness at all, but what, what would you call it? Her, her thing is having a glass of wine. You know, yeah. my thing is having a bar of chocolate. Other people will be having a bag of crisps or whatever. But, yeah. uh, you know, we're all different and we can all incorporate what it is that we want within this, this program. But she had decided that she was not going to do that. And we also spoke about, well, what are you going to do instead? You'd said about that, Connor, that sometimes, mm. um, you know, if, if you've got a habit of doing something and suddenly you don't do it, then you'll be thinking, you'll be trying to fill that time with something else. So what, what are you going to have? If she doesn't have the, the glass of wine, is she going to have a bar of chocolate instead? Is that any better or worse, etc. However, 
uh, the reason I'm, I'm mentioning this right now is that I had a chat with Jill this morning and of course it's uh, Friday today and she was not going to have a glass of wine Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So I spoke to her this morning and miraculously she ha- didn't have any wine Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, but she didn't have any on Thursday either. So, you know, she's gone four days when she challenged herself three days. Yeah, she's asking, also yeah. messaged me saying she doesn't fancy one tomorrow and then she's going to save it for the weekend as a treat. Yeah. wow so i'm having this conversation with her about who are you again and what have you done with my friend jill you know because (laughs) my friend jill always has a glass of wine at night and you know we were talking about why she'd done it and what she was doing instead and whether this now means that she's going teetotal in inverted commas or what have you and it was just a fascinating conversation she sort of didn't think she'd be able to do it she has done it what does that now lead to? Does it lead to next week, not doing it Monday to Friday or whatever? And she said that she'd struggled last night because her partner had decided that he would have a drink last night, whereas Monday, mm-hmm. Tuesday, Wednesday, apparently he he was in there with her, if you know what I mean, for whatever reason. He was either supporting her or decided himself he wouldn't have any. And she said Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday was easier because neither of them had any. But last night, he decided that he'd have some and she watched him and still didn't have any. So hardcore. Yeah. Powerful and everything. But once again, coming back to the underlying subject of habit, she was in the habit of having that so much so that she'd write it down in the morning, as we'd say, you know, didn't get to the point and think, Oh no, it's, it's no good. I've got to have that glass. She'd actually planned to have it and had it regardless of whether she desired it wanted it craved it she just had it because whatever time o'clock it is in the evening she has that glass of wine so i found that that whole discussion fascinating this week with her and the fact that she's achieved it and the fact that she's overachieved it and what that will really mean plus she told me this morning that the scales have gone down again uh, and a bit of a full stop and she's now thinking that, you know, that could be related to not having the wine. Because mm. as we've talked about before, it's not necessarily like having the wine itself, because she's counting it, measuring it and everything. But sometimes having the wine leads to having a second glass of wine mm. or leads mm. to then getting the munchies, as happened to me last night when I decided to have a glass of Prosecco. And it wasn't the glass of Prosecco that killed me. It was the fact that I then wanted other things after I'd had the glass of Prosecco. So the the whole thing, isn't it? But fascinating conversation and fascinating as a thought-provoking subject, I thought. I can tell that you love it. And I love how much you think it through. You try and think through every situation. Okay, if Jill does this, then will it end up like this next week? And it'll be this in the short term. But then what about the long? It's nice. Yeah, it's good. It's good mindfulness. It's good for you to try and think it through. Um, The only thing we can ever do at the end of the day, though, is try can't we? Yeah. We, can, we can mull it over as a three or a four or a 400 thinking, hmm, what if Jill takes out the wine? What will happen? And we will never come to a, a conclusion, really. Yeah. We've just got to yeah. try it and see. We've just got to try it and see and it'll be up yeah, and down. The interesting thing in it, Connor, is that because we're part of this whole programme, it's not necessarily just about yourself, is it? You know, I can look at myself and say this, this and that and that. But you're constantly looking at other people as well. You know, Jill's my friend, so we'd have had this conversation anyway. But no doubt at some point she'll put this story into the group and she'll tell people that this is what she's done and that. So other people will see that. 
and people will be some people won't be interested some people will be massively interested but along the line there'll be a percentage of people who will be inspired by that who will think mm, yeah well maybe i could cut out that glass of wine or maybe i could change uh, one of my habits that i have in an evening or in a morning or whatever and so you see what other people are doing and then that inspires you or gives you ideas doesn't it absolutely that's one of the powers of community isn't it that's one mm. of the powers of community and of you being a very curious and caring person <laughs> yeah. i'm very curious uh, definitely i'm fascinated by people yeah I, absolutely i agree me too um humans are the highest form of life and possibly most complex and maybe most intelligent form of life ever discovered in the universe. Also the most dangerous animal on the planet, the apex predator, the ruler of the earth. I also think humans are flipping crazy. (laughs) I love it. I also love it. Um, And I, I love helping people as well and seeing what happens. And what I talked about on one of the group Zoom meetings last week, um the one where everybody can just join if they want to and it's just sort of open chat is i said it's interesting for me from an external perspective as like one of the coaches to to look at everybody externally and i see everybody as stages in a process or uh, i see them at points on a journey and i see everybody's points changing like at the minute jill's having this battle well not battle but she's having this time of working on the wine let's say Mm -hmm. but this Mm -hmm. is just a stage that she'll go through some people go people go through the starting calorie counting stage starting Mm -hmm. food education stage beginning mindfulness around food changes then some people go through a stage of struggling with the calorie counting and finding it boring then after you do the calorie counting enough you enter into a stage where you don't even need it you don't even need the calorie counting anymore because that was just a tool that was getting you to a position and then it'll be another obstacle will appear and then it'll be another thing and another thing. And we're all just going on this journey and we're all at different points and we're all trying to make improvements, but it's just interesting for me to see people because obviously people are in the group for extended periods of time as well, because after people achieve their goals, they can stick around after for free. So I get to see people even after they've achieved their goals. Yeah. Going on to achieve things they never thought they would like they lose weight and then people start going for walks and then they start running or jogging or exercising. Like you said, not even recognizing themselves or the other people around them because everybody's changing and doing awesome things now all of a sudden, but I can see it from, I remember where that person was at the beginning when they were scared to start and struggling with the food and out of control and everything was worrying. And then I get to see them go through these periods of ups and downs, but steadily moving forward through the journey. It's very, very interesting. Just like yeah, you're saying and, with Jill, and, where is she going to end up? Yeah. And, and like you just said now, you know, one of the um, aims of the program is for you to take accountability for yourself, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And uh, that we do a check-in post every evening where you reflect on the day and, and say, you know, how you think that you've that you've gone during that day. Uh, but it's interesting as well, as you've just said, as people get more familiar with the programme and listen to more of the lectures on the different um, six steps, that they then start incorporating different things into their check-in. So they'll start off by just saying how many calories they've done and whether they've yeah. struggled and what they've eaten and what have you. And then you see that same person a few weeks down the line suddenly mentioning how much protein they're having. And before they'd never thought about that because they'd not watched that lecture or they'd not taken it into account or what have you. Then suddenly somebody's talking about um, how much liquid they've had that day. 
Um, and then, you know, as time goes on, people start saying, guess what? I've now started doing so many more steps a day. And, and so, <laughs> and, and, you know, I'm in, included in that myself, you know. I've Me too. I've been talking to you this morning about the fact that before I came on this podcast, I did a YouTube video and did 5,000 steps because I knew that this morning I'd be talking to you. I know you've said that you're walking on the spot. But I'm, not. I'm just <laughs> sitting on my backside while I'm talking to you. But, uh, but, you know, I knew that I'd be sitting here on the sofa and talking to you. And then I'm thinking, well, when am I going to fit a walk in today? Because I've then got to go and see my mother and various things. So I thought, well, I don't know that I'm going to fit one in. So I'll try and do this um, YouTube video beforehand and did 5,000 steps on this YouTube video, which is actually unrecognisable for me. I was just going to say the same thing. This is massive habit change for you, isn't it? Yeah. From from where you were two years ago, ago, let's say. Yeah, three months ago, I would never have dreamed of doing that. And yet I've been on the programme for like 19 months, 20 months or what have you. So to me, the whole exercise, that word exercise was like, does not apply. That is not for me. No matter what (laughs) happens, I will not be that person. And, you know, talking to you and talking to other people, I was always told that it wasn't necessary. Um, Yeah, true. You don't have to increase your movement to to lose weight. And, you know, I've quite successfully lost weight, thank you very much, without doing that. And then suddenly, for a number of different reasons, one being lockdown and there being bugger else all to do, I might as well go (laughs) go for a walk um, and and do something and get some fresh air. But also the fact that, you know, I'm, I'm thinking that, that might get the weight moving a bit faster or a bit more and, and start yeah. thinking about it differently, looking at other people. Other people are saying, you know, not you don't necessarily even have to leave the house. You know, you can do these, as I say, YouTube things that somebody sent me a link to. So, you know, it, it's that everybody can change the habits. You know, my habit of watching a YouTube video and walking on the spot, bloody hell, who, who, would, who would have ever thought that I would have done that? I uh, just I can't... <laughs> can't actually believe myself for doing it and i'm even thinking now oh you know maybe i could fit another one of those in at some point today um so yeah we we can we can all change but we're all different and and like we've said before you know being part of the group you see those differences you know amongst the hundreds of people that that we come across you see that different people are trying different things and the number of times i think i'd have never thought of doing that whether that's physical exercise, whether that's a recipe that they've tried, whether that's, you know, just, just something that they've tried that you think, yeah, I could try that. That'd be good. And you might try it and think, nah, that's not for me. Or you try it and think, who'd have thought? Who'd have thought that that would have been me? That is exactly it. You're just describing the process perfectly. Yep. There's lots of different people in the group. Everybody's their own person. Everybody's got their own unique individual goals. They're trying to, not only the goals they're trying to achieve, but the goals, the mini targets they're trying to hit to achieve their goals. Like some people are there for just weight loss. Some people it's health. Some people it's better movement. Some people it's this, that, the other thing. And you are right. People try things. We encourage this, don't we? I I encourage people, try different ways of healthy eating. Try a bit of this. Try a bit of that. Try a bit of... I don't know, swimming, try putting your step count up, try eating more protein, try over a period of weeks, we can try different things and we can see what works for you. And then people build their own and we help people build their own personalized fat loss program, don't we? And this is, this is why it goes well, because then it fits into their lifestyle because they've tried a couple of different tactics. They've picked the ones that they feel like will work for them that fit into their lifestyle. But That's also, why it goes better. 
it comes back to one thing that I've said many, many times to other people that I've coached in the past on, on other programs in that the timing has to be right for you. Yeah. You can't do it because somebody else tells you that that's what you ought to be doing or should be doing. You have to do it because you want to do it and because you're True. now at a stage in your life or your brain is open to different things. Um, coming back to Jill again, you know, I've told Jill, I've known Jill 40 years and I've told her many times that I think she should cut, try and cut down on the alcohol. And many times <laughs> she's basically said, go and do one, you know, it's my life, I'll do exa exactly what I like, thank you very much. And I, that's yeah. fine, absolutely fine. She's told me that I need to stop eating chocolate and I've said I'll eat chocolate <laughs> whenever I want to, et cetera, et cetera. But now suddenly she's decided herself, she decided at the weekend, last weekend, that she was going to try to cut out the wine. And because she's decided, and it's not you that's told her, Connie, you've not said, I think you'd be better off if you cut out that wine, you know, or no. that the programme says, well, actually, you know, by drinking the wine, you're not going to lose weight, or et cetera, et cetera. She's made that decision herself that for her, not for anybody else, not for a partner's sake, not for anybody else's sake, she's going to give that a try. Then, number one, it's her choice but number two she will feel so much better about it that she made the decision and she has been able to stick to her decision you're exactly right your, your sound quality has just changed and gone poor then for a second but oh, i can tell sorry. you oh it's back it is better yes whatever happened then it is better i'd move uh, my phone a little bit yeah Oh, okay. He's sensitive, isn't it, with the yeah. um, microphone sometimes. Yeah. You're, you're bringing me back round to our original points, which are really, really good, because I actually made a few notes on points for habit change, and then I've referred to exactly zero of them, <laughs> <laughs> as, is, as is often the case. We've been a good while on this podcast now, and I think it's been a phenomenal conversation about lots of, about, about lots of real-life application from real-life people, real-life success and struggle. Yeah which is what I always like. But I've got um, written down five top tips that came to my head before the show for habit change. And I thought I'd just give them a little rundown, if that's all right with you. We could just yep, yep. chat about these for a minute and then we'll bring it around to some, some kind of conclusion, if you think. Yes. All right. So tell me what you think to these then. The first point that I wrote down, which we've already been over this really, is I wrote that people should be going for easy, small, manageable, achievable habit changes, taking small steps forward from where they are now, little steps forward, not just trying to jump into something crazy or some massive habit change. Sometimes changing more is less successful, even though it's good motivation and you might want to do it all. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's steady, steady when the diet's already hard enough as it is, isn't it, without you making it hard enough for yourself. So I think we've covered that one quite quite nice about all the different ways that you can yeah yeah i agree fit, yep, fit, yep. fit the habit changes easy into your lifestyle um that's a really important do one. them all at once that's true yeah that's yep. one of the that's one of the quotes that comes up in lecture one of the program isn't it man who chases two rabbits catches none by confucius yep. try and do too many yep. hard things at once and Sometimes you just slip up and fall over. And, and actually, just thinking about that, sometimes the lectures that, that go with each of the um, six steps, sometimes it's better if you do leave a little gap in between them. Yes, agreed. Start incorporating one of them. Agreed. And start living with that one. Yes. And then look at the next one, rather than some people say, you know, I've watched all the lectures now, I've watched all the lectures, yeah. I'm now going to go and do everything. Yeah. And actually, <laughs> you can't do everything all at once because it's too, it's too big a... A change, isn't it? 
Yeah, and there's there's too much lecture material as well. I always I encourage people not to binge it like Netflix. Some people yeah. like people like we've had great feedback on this podcast and people enjoy this podcast. People do like listening to positive health information. Sometimes it's nicer to put on listening to me and you chat about some health and some positivity rather than just the news again or I don't know yes. some yeah, some some pop music or something. People like it. Yeah. So people do sometimes blast through the educational lectures on the program, but I encourage them like you're saying to not do that. It's not only education process it's an application process we learn then we apply we learn then we do and so and each one of those core habits is a journey on its own like it took me maybe two years I know that's not that's not average and it won't take people that long because now I know better but when I was trying to sort out my protein intake when I didn't have me helping me it took me flipping two years to sort yeah. out my protein intake. Yeah, so that my protein intake's in a good place every single day, especially because it needs to be a high protein intake because I have muscle building goals. It took me flipping ages to get that sorted. So you're exactly right. People should learn a little and then work on it and apply a lot. And then you learn yeah. a little bit more. Yeah, and then you, I completely yeah. agree. Yeah. My second my second point, we've already been over this one on every single podcast. Um, I even mentioned it yesterday on a podcast with Will Hukin, is get your ABCs in line. If you remember the autonomy, belonging and competence um, that the program's built from that I speak about on every flipping podcast. So like you said earlier, the, the, the three prerequisites, this is from self-determination theory, habit change psychology, the three prerequisites, the three things you need, whether you like it or not, as a human to make long-term successful habit change is number one, autonomy. That means you need control over your own goal. You need, especially fat loss and fitness and food, you need to accept that it's your life, it's your body, it's your food, only you can fix it. You have largely control over it. You can put different things into your mouth if you so well please. The B is for belonging, which is for community and it's for support and it's for having teammates because nobody changes the world or really their life on their own. And the third one is C for competence, which means education or skill, essentially because you need to know what you're doing if you're going to be able to do it, don't you? So that one's a little bit obvious. So my second point was get your ABCs in line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This this gives you the correct environment and it puts you in the correct situation to even be able to change. Yeah. My My third point was practice. And I've written this in yeah. big letters. That's all I've written. I've just put practice because I yeah. feel like another another mistake people make is they they maybe listen to us chat or they follow my Facebook page and they watch my public videos or something and they and they they get themselves ready, like you say, and they, they get themselves to the point where they feel ready to change. They're thinking, okay, right, yeah, I'm going to contact Connor. I'm going to join this program and then. I'm going to start making these changes to myself and that's great. But then when people do, they think after they have the consultation call with me that everything's just going to switch and be perfect. Yeah. That it's, yeah. yeah, that it's just a one and done, but it's, it's not habit, habit change and changing anything is a process, isn't yeah. it? It's a, it's yeah. a process, not a moment of change. Yeah. You don't just, you don't just suddenly listen to me and you Lynn, talk on the phone and, or, on this podcast and then suddenly wow you just eat perfectly you just oh yeah i just oh i never i don't know i just joined this program and i just never snacked ever again oh yeah, yeah connor just connor just told me how many calories i should eat and then i just did it, <laughs> it <laughs> not it's, really it's the same as joining a gym isn't it you know just by paying your gym membership doesn't mean that actually you're suddenly now fit and healthy <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you're exactly right. There's a lot of stages and there's a lot of stuff to do in between that point, isn't there? So my my third point, and I feel like this is an important one, is people have to accept that like if they come to join our program, what they come to do is practice healthy eating. Not yeah. to, not to 
immediately become a healthy eater and nobody expects you to do this because the only reason you join the program is because you're struggling with it. So you're not just going to magically get it sorted in four seconds, are you? So people have to accept that they're coming to practice healthy eating. And if you were practicing golf, you wouldn't expect a hole in one every single time. And if you did, if you expected to hole in one every single time, and then the second time you didn't hole in one or eat perfectly, you kick and scream and quit and then you throw the club into the flipping weeds, everyone's going to go, what's, what's going on with that person? Because everybody else knows it's a process. Everybody else who's doing well, it's been trying at it for fucking 10 years <laughs> or, what, yeah. or whatever they've been doing. Like if you, like you said, if you're ever in the gym and you ever see someone who's in great shape, ask them how long they've been exercising. They'll give you yeah. only one of, they'll give you only one of two answers. What, what, one answer is about 10 years. The other one is I can't even remember, or it's yeah. just, it's just always what I've done. That's yeah. the, these are what these are. Yeah, these are. If you see anybody in crazy shape, no one's ever. It's never been less than ten years. I've talked to flipping. I've been in gyms all my life, talking to thousands of people. Everybody, it's ten years plus. Um, so just accept that it's it's practice. It takes a little bit of patience. You win and you learn. You screw it up sometimes. If you started basketball, you wouldn't get it in the hoop every time, would you? If you, you just whatever you start practicing, crochet, knitting, whatever. <laughs> If it's rollerblading, sometimes you're going to slip, aren't you? you're going to fall. <laughs> it's just, you have to accept this when you enter the game that you're here to practice and practice doesn't always go perfect. Otherwise you wouldn't need the practice, would you? Nope. And nope. Anyway, nope. Before, I, before I go on for too long about that one, my fourth one was ride the waves. Um, yeah. That's all I've written. And I meant that it's up and, it goes along with the practice as well. It's up and down, isn't it? Sometimes it's tough. Like you were saying, you had a tough time on the food yesterday. I also yeah. have tough times on the food and I'm the flipping person teaching you how to have less tough times with the food and I don't yeah. eat perfect. Yeah. And I still get stressed and I still can't be bothered to cook sometimes and this and that and the other thing, it's just obstacles and you've just got to ride the waves. And one of my favorite teachers, um, a, a spiritual teacher actually taught me about life. Um, they gave me a good analogy to ride the waves and they said, you can never stop the, the waves. You can just become a better surfer. That's what you're aiming yes. to do. Yeah, you should never expect life to just be calm or just go well in anything, really. Yeah. Things, no, everything's up and down. The diet and the food, it's going to be up and down as well. Your stress is going to be up and down. Your hunger will be better sometimes and worse sometimes. Your fat loss will be faster sometimes and slower sometimes. Every well, single well, part some, of it. Sometimes the challenges are, there, are harder every day, depending on what you're faced with each day as well, the impact on the eating. Exactly. It's up and down, isn't it? Every day is different. Yeah. Every yeah. single day as a person, yeah, it's different. So you've got to... Every, every day when I go to the cafe and see the wonderful cakes on display, that's a challenge every single day. And some days <laughs> I can ride that wave and sometimes I can't ride that wave. Exactly. Sometimes <laughs> it sweeps you out into those deep, dark oceans. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> sometimes we're going deep on that cake, aren't we? Sometimes, yeah. yeah, you're exactly right. Sometimes you can Nine resist it, sometimes you can't. I don't even look at them. And on that 10th occasion when I look, I get sucked in. Yeah, yesterday, um, after my evening meal, um, my girlfriend had eaten basically nothing all day and fancied some snacks. So, And we don't, we don't really keep snacks in the house, otherwise we just eat them all. But we live close to shops. It takes like less than literally five minutes to walk to the shop. Yeah. Um, so, so I said, oh, we can, we can nip out to co-op if you want and get some snacks. And she bought some cookies and some wine gums. I had two cookies and four wine gums. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, and that's probably 500 calories right there. That's probably 500 yeah. calories right in the there. Yeah. Of an eye. Oh yeah, I ate, I ate the two cookies in about 45 seconds, and then yes. I didn't. I didn't even really like the wine gums, and I tasted the first wine gum and thought, "This is not that great," especially not after a white chocolate chip cookie. I better try it, another it, one. 
Oh, I ate all four. I ate all four anyway. That I'd already, I, I grabbed four out of the bag in my hand instantly, and then because I already had four in my hand, I'd just already made, made the decision whether I liked it or not. I didn't even really enjoy them, but I still ate all four. Yeah. It's perspective why, as well, isn't it? Why is all of that? Why is all of that, Connor? Because we're human. Yeah, that, that was my exact point. Most of the time, I, yeah. I eat well. And most of the time, if somebody says, yeah. oh, do you want a wine gum? I'll say, no, I'm all right. Um, or yeah. even even cookies. And I really love cookies. Most of the time, I'll yeah. be like, no, nah, I'm okay. Like, I go into Subway, I buy a sandwich sometimes. I don't really buy the cookies every time, even though I see them. And they even look when they great. say to you, are you sure you don't want a cookie? Yeah, and most of the time, yeah, you're right. And over time, you get better and better, don't you? The longer you practice, you get yeah. stronger. Yeah. You get more mindful yeah. and you do the right thing more time. So most of the time, I'm like, no. Yesterday, I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> okay, it's going to yeah. happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, ride ride these waves. That was that was my point. When it's when it's on a high, good, take it, blast forward. When it's when things are going well, you run forward as well. And if things are feeling a little bit low, all you've got to do is try and stay steady. You just yep. gotta try and just stay steady and then wait for those good times to come again. And they always do. Bad times always yep. leave. Good times, unfortunately, always leave. It always it always goes up and down. Nothing stays and nothing's permanent. And you've got to expect expect yep. that and then ride with it. And then the fourth point, and I thought I could maybe turn this over to you, and um, this is called The Four Laws of Change, and it's from James Clear. Like, if anybody wants to learn loads about habit change, you should follow James Clear on Facebook, or you should buy the book Atomic Habits, which is written by him, which is unbelievable. It's basically just all of the habit change information written perfectly to make it understandable and applicable for you or us people trying to do things. It's He's great and it's great. And he's got these four laws of change or four laws of habit change. Um, so he says, if you're struggling to make changes, you should ask yourself these four questions and try and change things to fit it better so i'm going to ask you these four questions and i'd like you to see if you can answer how you've done this with your food or how we do this on the program for people okay yeah um in fact i'll go through all four with you first and then we'll go through we'll go through them one at a time the four questions are number one how can i make it obvious that's to do with what you have to do on the on the habit change how can you make it easy to understand let's say the second one is how can i make it attractive how can you make the habit changes that you're doing seem attractive or the process that you've got to go through how can you make it seem like it's a nice thing to do number three how can we make it easy how can we make it easy to do also important and the fourth one is how can you make it satisfying how can you make it feel good the things that you're trying to do um so I, I thought I could just turn that over to you for a second. How, what do you think you've done or what we do on the program? How do we make it obvious for people what they've got to do? In in that way, do you mean simple? You could call it simple. Yeah, you could call it simple. Definitely. I think, yeah. I mean, as, as far as this program is concerned, there's absolutely nothing complicated about it. That doesn't mean it's easy. Uh, complicated and easy and hard are completely different words. Oh, you're exactly right. That's why the third one is how can you make it easy and the first one is how can you make it simple or obvious or clear. So simple, it's very, very simple. Count calories, that's very, very simple and eat at maintenance or below. That's it. Yeah, they're they're the rules of biology, aren't they? We have the minimum rules on the programme that you can actually, without that, it won't even work. Yeah. So 
if so you do that and if you do that the results will come that's it so that's the that is the obvious if you if you're saying that you know um what how can we make it obvious well do this and that will happen and and th- that's a fact and it doesn't matter how um annoyed or frustrated or angry or otherwise you get when you're on any program with the I am doing this and that isn't happening as in I am following this but the scales aren't going down then eventually the scales will go down or you aren't actually doing this so that is you know it is very simple and very obvious um, as far as the program's concerned you're exactly right that's what i was thinking too we make it nice and simple for people we keep the goals nice and simple we keep the minimum amount of goals possible there's education to lay out for people people post their goals so they write to me and then i check what they've written so they and i ask them do you understand what you have to do and then they say yes or no and then we go through it you're exactly right so we try and make things nice and simple for people the second one is how can i make it attractive how can you make the habit changes seem like it's a good thing to do well, I think that's quite straightforward, really, because just obviously being overweight is unhealthy. That That is sort of obvious to me. It's unhealthy the majority of the time, if not all of the time. You've only got to look at one thing that stood out to me hugely is the whole thing to do with COVID, that being overweight is one of the risk factors. You fit into a vulnerable category if you are over a certain BMI, which that has never hit me between the eyes as much about being overweight as to do with COVID. And some people that are shielding are shielding because they're overweight. And yeah. that is, that's quite shocking. Oh, that shocked me, surprised me, hit me really, you know. Um, I think it has for a lot of people, yeah. Yeah. And that prior to joining this programme, I would have fitted into that category. So I would have been one of those vulnerable people. And I'm no longer one of those vulnerable people. And that is, I, I don't think I'd ever thought of it in that way until the whole COVID thing um, came along. But so therefore, making it attractive is things like that, that from a health perspective, forget about the weight side, from a health perspective, well, so you can't forget about the weight side, the weight goes hand in hand. But I mean, as a result of losing weight, you will become healthier and therefore, um, hopefully, you know, prolong your life. So that, that's an attractive thing, but not something that you can actually see. But from another attractive point is things like you will start to look better, feel better, uh, get nice compliments from people, wear nicer clothes, things like that. So I think, therefore, a bit, and be able to do more things or go more places. So I would say that that makes it attractive. You're exactly right. This is why I wasn't worried about posing these questions for you blind because I know that you had no idea that I was going to ask you these <laughs> questions. I know, I know, but I knew you were going to, I knew you were going to say the right things. How do we make it attractive for people? How are you making it attractive? It's thinking about your reasons why you're doing it, isn't it? Yeah. Do we want, do we want to eat better? Not necessarily. Do we want to do the exercise or go for a walk? Not always, but we do want this, 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 this. You do want to, like you said, maybe be, be healthier, maybe feel healthier, maybe move better, maybe have more confidence, maybe have control more control maybe wear different clothes maybe have less stomach issues or acid re you know just loads of everything how do we make it attractive you're exactly right focusing on not what we're doing but why we're doing it very very good the third one 
was how can I make it easy? How can we make the habit changes easy? I feel like we've covered this one quite a bit already. Yeah, yeah, I, I think we have. And I, I think, you know, some of the things that we've talked about already, about just changing the way that you cook something, just to change the way that you cook something, you can still end up having exactly the same plate of food, but a lot less calories. That makes it a, a simple thing to do. And also listening to other people, taking advice from other people, um, just having one place to look. So you, you're not given a, a massive book or a massive um, schedule that you've got to look at, or here are all the meal plans, here are all the whatever. Just It's just simple, making it simple so that you just need to count calories. That doesn't mean it's easy. It just means it's simple. Yeah, you're exactly right. So question three was, how can, how can I make it easy? How do we make it easy for people? Like you said, little habit changes. We just focus on one thing at a time. We have lots of support in there. We don't expect people to do perfect. We don't put pressure on people. It's all online. It's available anytime, isn't it? We do 24-7 support. There's a community there so you can see what other people are doing so you don't feel alone. Yeah. <gasps> and, and one, thing, one thing that we've actually not mentioned that is worth mentioning just at this point is that we don't give anybody any weight loss goals either. So we don't say that by this time you should have or ought to have <laughs> lost this amount or, or what have you. We, there's no way to say, you know, you could lose one stone in four weeks or, uh, you know, by this time you should have done better than what you have done. It's, it's your goals and then you manage yourself against your own goals. That is a lovely point, Lynn, because that sounds like madness, doesn't it? I bet people yeah. are thinking, what? It's a weight yeah. loss program and they don't tell you how much weight you should be losing by a certain amount of time. No, we don't because we can't predict no. the future, can we? People no. say to me, how much weight could I expect to lose? And I can give them averages of what people lose on the program. Definitely. But how I can't tell how much weight you're going to lose in what time. I don't know how well you're going to be able to make the changes. I don't know no. what changes you're going to choose. I don't know. You don't know what kind of lifestyle they've got. No, I don't know how easy they're going to find it to change that lifestyle. I don't know what obstacles or struggles they're going to come up against. I don't know if you're going to get ill. I don't know if something's going to change or, yeah, I don't know if you're going on holiday or, you know, all these things. We, we can't predict the future, can we? So what we do is we take it day by day and we just try and do our best. And who can ask for more than that? So all I ask is that people just try to do what they can do each day and then just feedback with how it's going. You can't, you can't yeah. do more than that, really, can you? So no, there's no, there's no future predicting and you won't see anybody on the program setting a goal of I will lose two pound next week. Um, nope. Because no, not necessarily. We set actionable, manageable goals. So you could, you could say I will be doing this, this, and this, so that I will try to lose two pound next week. Good. Some actual achievable actions, what you're going to actually yeah. do next week. Yeah. Not the just iffy, iffy of what we'd like to achieve. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the fourth one is how can I make it satisfying? So how can we make it pleasurable or nice to do the habit changes as well? Hmm. I think... I think going back again, because I think we have covered all these, but not in those specific categories. Yep. I think as far as calories are concerned, you know, we on the program, we count calories. We say um, how many calories that you, you need to be able to have to stay the same and how many calories you should have to um, move forwards and lose weight. But eating calories, sorry, calorie counting doesn't mean that it has to be cottage cheese and crisp breads, which it sort of used to be in days gone by that if anybody thought that you're on a calorie controlled diet, it meant that you were eating pretty much crap food and not crap in, in, in terms of 
um, quality, but crap in terms of not particularly very tasty or like very um, yeah. colourful or very. Can I just say something as well? Yes. This this has changed over time as well because you're exactly right because calorie counting did used to be like that and it's gone through different periods for another period of time. Um, Everybody, if you mentioned calorie counting, they thought you they thought you were just eating low quality, crappy junk foods, but fitting it into a calorie controlled diet. And then people would say, "Oh, calorie counting is not healthy because it's just about eating crap, but managing it down and all this yeah. kind." Of, and it, yeah, so that's a stage people went through. People also go through a stage sometimes where people think automatically that calorie counting means low calories, yeah. and it doesn't mean that people say, "Oh, I don't want a calorie count; I'll be hungry." Oh, I don't want a calorie yeah. count. It'll be this, don't they? Or, or that you can't have certain things anymore. That, Not you true, know, I'm, is it? I'm calorie counting. So that means obviously I can't have a glass of wine. Obviously I can't have chocolate. Obviously I can't have crisps. All I can eat is... And, that's you know, funny because of... that's why we do it. We always do the calorie counting so that you can have a bag of crisps. That's yeah. crazy. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, but I can remember years gone by when I've calorie counted. And if I was on a calorie counting diet, that meant I used to buy cottage cheese and yogurts. And the rest yeah. of the time, I never bought cottage cheese or yogurts. I only ever had them when I was calorie counting. So it was like I was eating completely different foods to what I actually liked. I was eating foods that I thought I needed to or should or could or ought to eat, but nothing that I really liked. So how long can you stick to a program eating foods that you don't even like? Whereas on this, you can eat absolutely anything, including the food that you really, really like and love, as long as you don't eat everything all at the same time and all on the same day, et cetera, et cetera. So I can't remember what the actual question was now. <laughs> that is OK. <laughs> no, that's OK. You've answered the question perfectly. You took a different route to it, which I really love than I was thinking about, which is nice because you're not wrong. You were thinking the question was, how do we make it satisfying for people? And the route you went down was people still eat the foods that they want. So they don't feel too restricted. They feel yeah. good about what they're eating yet. They feel in control over it. Sometimes you can have lower calories to get a faster result and that will make it satisfying for you. Sometimes you can have a higher calorie intake. You get a slower weight loss result, but you'll feel fuller and you've got better energy levels. Yeah. So that can be satisfying for some people. The way I was thinking about it, my final point on this, um, was that we also encourage people to track their body weight and track other ways of measuring their progress too, so that they can actually see that they're, that they're getting out of it what they want. Like yeah. if, it, if, it, if it's a weight loss program uh, and people come and then they don't lose weight, that's the opposite of satisfying. The reason yeah. people are doing it is to see the weight going down. So one of the reasons we make it satisfying for people on the program is what we do definitely works. People's yep. weight comes down every single time. They check their own body weight. Often people check their body weight three times per week, don't they? Which sounds like a yep. heinous crime to some people. Yes. And why do I get people to do that? Because it's going to go down most of the time. It's not only going to go down once a week. The weight's going to yep. go down quite often. So I want, to, I want people to see it going down. And if you want to take pictures of yourself, not to show me or anybody else, but to keep them month by month and compare, yes, you can. Should you do measurements? Yeah, but, yes, you could. But also it, it doesn't, have to always be weight related does it you know the number of people on the program that um put posts into the group saying that they've gone down from a size x to a size x so yep. they, they're looking at the sizes of the clothes that they're buying that they've had to buy some new we, we had an interesting debate once about you know buying new pairs of pants because you suddenly your pants are falling down which was obviously <laughs> not, not a very very nice thing to think about but was interesting and caused us a bit of a laugh but the underlying thing was 
suddenly somebody was wearing underwear that was too big. And how great is that, that you have to go and buy some new underwear because it's falling down? So it was it's sort of sizes of, of things, but also the fact that I can now walk around where I live, which is absolutely a hill, regardless of which direction <laughs> I walk in. And I can now walk around that without getting out of breath. So it's not necessarily, obviously, we are a fat loss program and it's about losing weight primarily, but there's a lot more to it than that. That even if you don't lose weight for one week or two weeks or something, you can still build your stamina and build your um, health and lose um, dress sizes and things like that. You're exactly right. Yep, that's the way I was going with the conversation too. I was going to say exactly what you've said about how it's about getting as many different wins in as many different places yeah. and seeing all the positives that's how we make it satisfying for people isn't it the yeah. the changes that you're making okay maybe they're not your favorite thing like making food choices etc but we're trying to get all these other things out of it and the reason it's satisfying is because you will get those things out of it and there'll be lots of different positives and benefits in lots of different areas like you said not only just bringing the weight down yeah yeah Although obviously that's what everybody focuses on is the scales and they're the things that people get hung up on. But True. that's not what we uh, encourage people to do only. You know, we don't only say it's about the scales, which on lots of other programs, it is only about the scales that you go there to, to a particular place, get weighed once a week. And it's what's on those scales that counts or doesn't count that makes you happy or makes you sad. Whereas on our program, it's not just about the numbers on the scales. It's a much, much wider um, subject than that. You are exactly right. That's, it. That's exactly the game, isn't it? Because we, don't, we don't really on the program say it's only about anything. Nope. We, no. No, we say it's, it's about everything, isn't it? We try and take people's yes. lifestyle and wants and needs and desires and people have multiple motivations and multiple different goals they're trying to achieve. It's not only about one thing. It's about everything. No. Yeah, yeah, it is. Ooh, all right then, Lynn. What do you think of that podcast? I think that went great. I do, I do, and I really enjoyed it as well. It's been a belter, hasn't it? It's yep. been a right conversation. Yep. Um, I have another meeting coming up soon, so we have to end whether we like it or not. It must Okey-do. be the end right now. Yep. Um, we've also got some voice-recorded messages have come in through the Stereo app, where if people download the Stereo app, you can listen to us live as these conversations are booked pre in advance so you can see when we're going to be on but people have left voice recorded messages and we are not going to play them as always uh because we don't let random people from the internet sorry just because <laughs> one guy ruined it like i said yesterday one guy ruined it for everyone by asking the offensive question so send your messages into slumsociety.co.uk or go to the slum society facebook page if you want to message me or lynn or anybody else or get your if you've got questions for us about your health fitness food fat loss happiness whatever it might be send it in and then we will read the question and then we'll read it out on the pro on the program on the show here and then we will get to it so please don't send in your messages like we can see people have done because we can't actually listen to them before they go live and sometimes they are not appropriate so this is how it's going to go what do you think lynn yep fine yep yep thank you so much then lynn thank you so much okay. to society followers and listeners we'll speak to you and we'll see you again soon thank you bye